Hello, welcome back to Notorious Killers. I'm Maya. And I'm Sophie. Today we will be diving into the serial killer and cannibal Ted Bundy. Theodore Robert Bundy, born November 24, 1946, was an American serial killer who kidnapped, sexually assaulted, and murdered numerous young women and girls during the 1970s and possibly earlier. After more than a decade of denials, he confessed to 30 homicides committed in seven states between 1974 and 1978. His true victim total is unknown and believed by some investigators to be higher. Bundy was regarded as handsome and charismatic, traits that he used to win the trust of victims in society. He would typically approach his victims in public places, faking injury, disability, and presenting an authority figure before knocking them unconscious and taking them to scheduled occasions to sexually assault and strangle them. He sometimes revisited his victims, grooming and performing sexual acts with the decomposing corpses until destruction by wild animals made any farther interactions impossible. He decapitated at least 12 victims and kept some of the heads as mementos on his apartment. On a few occasions, he broke into dwellings at night and hit his victims as they sleep. In 1975, Bundy was arrested and jailed in Utah for kidnapping and attempted criminal assault. He then became a suspect in a progressively longer list for, of unsolved homicides in several states. Facing murder charges in Colorado, he engineered two dramatic escapes and committed further assaults in Florida, including three murders before his ultimate recapture in 1978. For the Florida homicides, he received three deaths sentences in two trials. Bundy was executed in the electric chair at Florida State Prison in Railford, Florida on January 24, 1989. There is no actual time on when or where Bundy began killing women. He told different stories to different people and refused to divulge the specifics of earliest crimes. Even as he confessed in graphic detail to dozens of later murders in the days preceding his execution. He told Nielsen that he attempted his first kidnapping in 1969 in Ocean City, New Jersey, but did not kill anyone until sometime in 1971 in Seattle. He told psychologist Art Norman that he killed two women in Atlantic City in 1969 while visiting family in Philadelphia. He hinted but refused to elaborate to homicide detective Robert D. Keppel that he committed a murder in Seattle in 1972 and another murder in 1973 that involved a hitchhiker near Tumwater. Rule and Keppel both believed that he might have started killing as a teenager. Circumstantial evidence suggested that he may have abducted and killed eight-year-old Anne Marie Burr of Tacoma when he was 14 years old in 1961, an allegation that he repeatedly denied. His earliest documented homicides were committed in 1974 when he was 27 years old. By then, his own administration 
He had mastered the necessary skills in the early era, era before DNA profiling to leave minimal incriminating forensics evidence at the crime scenes. Shortly after midnight on January 4, 1974, Bundy entered the basement apartment of 18-year-old Karen Spark, also identified as Joni Lenz, Mary Adams, and Terry Caldwell by various sources. She was a dancer and student. After hitting Sparks senseless with a metal rod from her bed frame, he sexually assaulted her with either the same rod or a metal speculum causing extensive internal injuries. She remained unconscious for 10 days, but survived with permanent physical and mental disabilities. In the early morning hours of February 1st, Bundy broke into the basement room of Linda and Healy, a UW undergraduate. He beat her unconscious, redressed her in blue jeans, a white blouse, and boots, and carried her away. During the first half of 1974, female college students disappeared at the rate about one per month. On March 12th, Donna Gail Manson, a student at the Evergreen State College in Olympia, left her dormitory to attend a jazz concert on campus but never arrived. On April 17th, Susan Elaine Rancourt disappeared while on her way to her dorm room after an evening advertisers meeting at Central Washington State College in Ellensburg. Two female Central Washington students later came forward to report encounters on the night of Rancourt's disappearance. The other three nights earlier, with a man wearing an arm sling, asking for help carrying a load of books to his Volkswagen Beetle. On May 6, Roberta Kathleen Parks left her dormitory at Oregon State University in Corvales to have coffee with her friends at a memorial union, but never arrived. Detectives from the King County and Seattle Police Departments grew increasingly concerned. There was no significant physical evidence, and the missing woman had little in common, apart from being young, attractive, white college students with long hair parted in the middle. On June 1st, Brenda Carol Ball disappeared after leaving the Flame Tavern in Burien, near Seattle Tacoma International Airport. She was last seen in the parking lot, talking to a brown-haired man with his arm in a sling. In the early hours of June 11th, UW student Georgianne Hawkins vanished while walking down the, a brightly lit alley between her boyfriend's dormitory residence and her sorority house. The next morning, three Seattle homicide detectives and a criminalist combed the entire alleyway on their hands and knees, finding nothing. After Hawkins' disappearance was out to the public, witnesses came forward to report seeing a man that night in an alley behind a nearby dormitory. He was on crutches with a leg cast and was struggling to carry his briefcase.
One woman recalled that the man asked her to help him carry the case to his car, a Volkswagen Beetle. Bundy later told Keppel that he leered Hawkins to his car before making her unconscious at the crowbar. He then handcuffed Hawkins and drove her to Isaacwell, where he strangled her and spent the entire night with her body. Bundy said that Hawkins regained consciousness inside the car and said she had a Spanish test the following day and she thought that I had taken her to help tutor her for the Spanish test. It's not funny, he added, but it's odd the kinds of things people will say under those circumstances. He stated that he returned to the UW Alley the morning after Hawkins' abduction and murder. There he located and gathered Hawkins' earrings and one of her shoes, where he had left them in the adjoining parking lot and departed unobserved. He admitted to visiting Hawkins' corpse on three occasions. During this period, Bundy was working in Olympia as the Association Director of the Seattle Crime Prevention Advisory Commission. Later, he worked at the Department of Emergency Services, a state government agency involved in the search for the missing woman. At DES, he met and dated Carol Ann Bone, a twice-divorced mother of two who six years later would play an important role in the final phase of his life. of the six missing women and Sparks' brutal beating appeared prominently in newspapers and on television throughout Washington and Oregon. Fear spread among the population, hitchhiking by young women dropped sharply. Pressure mounted on law enforcement agencies. Police could not provide reports with the little information that was available for fear of compromising the investigation. Further similarities between the victims were noted. The disappearances all took place at night, usually near ongoing construction work. Within a week of midterm or final exams, all of the victims were wearing slacks or blue jeans, and at most of the crime scenes, there were sightings of a man wearing a cast or a sling and driving a Volkswagen, Volkswagen Beetle. The Pacific Northwest murders culminated on July 14th with the broad daylight abductions of two women from a crowded beach at Lake Samish State Park in Isaacwa. Five female witnesses described an attractive young man wearing a white tennis outfit with his left arm in sling, speaking with a light accent, perhaps Canadian or British. Introducing himself as Ted, he asked their help in on unloading a sailboat from his car. Four of them refused, and one helped him as far as his car saw that there was no sailboat and fled. Three additional witnesses saw him approach Janice Ann Ott with a sailboat story and watched her leave the beach in his company. About four hours later, Denise Marie Nasland, a 19-year-old woman, left a picnic to go to the restaurant and never returned. Bunny told both Stephen McChaud and William Hagmeyer that Ott was still alive when he returned with Nasland and that he forced one to watch as he murdered the other, but he later denied it in an interview with Lewis on the eve of his extrication. King County Police, finally armed with a detailed description of their suspect and his car, posted flyers throughout the Seattle area. A composite sketch was printed in regional newspaper and broadcast on local television stations. Elizabeth Klepfer, Ann Rule, a DS employee and a UW psychology professor, 
all recognized the profile, the sketch, the, and the car, and reported Bundy as a possible suspect. It, but detectives who were revealing up to 200 tips per day thought unlikely that a law student with no adult criminal record could be the perpetrator. On September 6, two grouse hunters stumbled across the skeletal remains of Ott and Naslin near Service Road in Azaqua, two miles east of Lake Samash State Park. An extra femur and several vertebrae found at the site were later identified by Bundy as those of Georgia and Hawkins. Six months later, students from Green River Community College discovered the skulls of Healy Grand Court Parks and ball on Taylor Mountain, where Bundy frequently hiked. Just east of the Zacco, Mason's remains were never recovered. What did you think about that, Maya? Okay, think about this. You're walking around, you're seeing this guy, and you know, multiple of these people have already been dead, you know? Mm-hmm. They didn't know that. Why would you still go help them if you know that someone's out there, like, killing people? Like, I don't, I don't understand. What about you, Sophie? I know, that's like, I just, <laughs> oh yeah, help me with my boat. No, <laughs> I want to help people. Like, can't they just get help on their own? Exactly. <laughs> like, I want to go help, especially, I know that sounds weird, but like, a guy that's all alone with an arm sling and everything. That's just creepy straight up. I mean, yeah, he's injured, but like, yeah. He'll yeah. be fine. Exactly. Okay, well, that's the end of today's episode. Have a spooky day.